Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, we're going to catch up with John Wartime of Sports Illustrated. He's got an interesting new book out called Running the Table, The Legend of Kid Delicious, The Last Great American Pool Hustler. We're also going to chat some tennis with Wartime, who covers tennis for Sports Illustrated. In segment four, Sports Sense, Mike Conley Sr. He's the former triple jump Olympic gold medalist who now is a sports agent and represents Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers and his son, Mike Conley Jr., who is with the Memphis Grizzlies. They were teammates on Ohio State's team. Conley Sr. has also been very involved with the Chicago effort to land the 2016 Olympics, so we'll chat with him about his new career as a sports agent as well as the Chicago Olympic bid in Segment 4. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to us on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, the votes are in, and Barry Bonds is ball. We're going to tell you what is going to happen with that coming up in our headline segment. Also, lots of trouble brewing in Seattle with the city of Seattle and the Supersonics. And Michael Vick, we're going to do a caught in the crosslights. This guy never ceases to amaze me, Nate. Oh, it's unbelievable. I know we'll go into great detail on caught in the crosslights. As far as the Barry Bonds ball, another thing I know we'll mention in uh, headlines, I voted to have it blasted into space. Now, whether or not that's going to happen, we'll tell you. What did you vote? I also voted to have it blasted into space. And as I said, um, I would have liked to have seen O.J. Simpson and uh, a few other players. I guess you could probably add Michael Vick, Barry Bonds. I say blast them all into outer space, <laughs> but obviously uh, that's probably not going to happen. Maybe the ball will be blasted into outer space, but unfortunately some of these athletes won't be blasted into outer space. But it's been a busy week in sports business, and uh, LeBron James, he's going to be hosting Saturday Night Live this weekend. For those of us getting, for those of you getting our show on, on Saturdays, you're going to want to tune into that tonight. You know, LeBron's a pretty good actor. We've had Lynn Merritt from Nike on this show, and he said, he had the audacity to say last time he was on this show, that LeBron is a better actor than he is a basketball player. That's pretty impressive. Well, he's so charismatic, it doesn't surprise me. I'll have to tune in. He's going to have a long way to go to top Peyton Manning's performance on Saturday Night Live. We've got Sports Business Radio headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. What were the terms that got that big deal done? These guys know. Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one. This is a big one, Nathan. In a four-day series of daylight raids called Operation Raw, Drug Enforcement Administration agents shut down 26 underground steroid labs and made more than 50 arrests across the country, capping what agents are calling the largest performance-enhancing drug crackdown in U.S. history. The DEA also has identified 37 Chinese factories that purportedly supplied the raw materials for the labs. The raids capped an 18-month probe that has netted 124 arrests in 27 states and closed 56 labs. The agency also seized $6.5 million in cash and 532 pounds of raw steroid power, 308 pounds of it in the last week. That's a lot of steroid oh, power. It's a ton of steroids, and I always wonder, whenever you hear about drug raids and factories being shut down, I always wonder what difference will it make? Will we actually see a decrease in the amount of steroids that are being used? When people bust cocaine plants in South America, do we really see a decrease in the amount of drugs that are going on? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Well, the thing, and we're going to talk about this more with John Wartime coming up in our next segment but the thing that i'm impressed with is you know we've talked on the show forever nathan about the cheaters and the scientists being so far out in front of the testers well what the dea and other law enforcement officials are now doing is they're saying you know what we're not going to catch the scientists but what we're going to do is we're going to catch the suppliers we're going to cut this thing off take a leg out and get the suppliers and the distributors and if we do that Maybe we won't rid all of the sports world of PEDs, but we'll certainly take a leg out, and it will be interesting to see how this thing progresses from here. They've also collected a list of names, and we'll see if these names become public. You know, between the George Mitchell report that's going to be coming up and DEA names being released at some point, FBI names being released, I think at some point in the next 6 to 12 months, we're finally going to get some meat into these investigations and we're going to rat some people out. Well, yeah, I'm real anxious about the George Mitchell investigation. This has been going on for so long, and finally we're so close to finding out who we can pinpoint and who we can point the figure at. I think it's just a matter of time now. Headline number two, Barry Bonds, the San Francisco Giants slugger, played his last game at AT&T Park this week after 15 seasons in San Francisco. But the sports business news of the week with him, the ball that he hit to uh, – Break the record, 756. You know, if you remember, fashion designer Mark Echo purchased the ball for $752,000. He put up vote756.com. He asked us, the fans, to what do we want to do with the ball? Do we want to send it to the Hall of Fame? Do we want to send it to the Hall of Fame with an asterisk? Or do we want to blast it into outer space? Nathan, the votes are in, and what was the vote? They're going to send it to the Hall of Fame with an asterisk. And, you know, I'm surprised at how many people actually wanted to send it to the Hall of Fame without anything. You know, I think it was 22%, 22% wanted to blast in space, and I think about 45% wanted to actually send it to the Hall of Fame with an asterisk, which is what's going to happen. Now, the other interesting thing about this is the Hall of Fame is thrilled to get this ball, even though it's going to have an asterisk on it. And officials of the Hall of Fame and Echo are discussing 
how to affix the asterisk to the ball. It's not official yet how this is going to happen. But, you know, keep in mind, a lot of these balls never get to the Hall of Fame. Echo, who a lot of people really have a lot of respect for because basically he took this ball, he put it up to the public to vote on what do they want to do with it, and the public said send it to the Hall of Fame but do so with an asterisk. I also think I want to see some T-shirts. A baseball with an asterisk on it. Vote 756.com. Let's do it. Here's a business decision. Well, but, I mean, this guy's a fashion designer. There should be a whole line of merchandise around this, and I think there could be a lot of success. Well, you know what's ironic about the Hall of Fame is that they don't really pay for anything. Like you said, these things have to be donated to the Hall of Fame. So this is a huge deal, and it doesn't matter to them whether the asterisk is on there. Our next headline, things in Seattle are getting ugly, and they're getting ugly quickly. Sonics owner Clay Bennett filed paperwork last week to begin an arbitration process to escape the final two years of his key arena lease. The Sonics ownership group said that they will live up to their financial responsibility for the duration of lease, which expires on September 30, 2010. But they don't believe they are legally bound to continue playing at an outdated facility that is costing them money. And this is according to them. A city official said Seattle receives about three to six million dollars per year from the franchise, including $1.2 million in key arena rent. Now, the city, not at all happy about this, they filed suit against Bennett and his ownership group. And, Nathan, basically what it comes down to is this, is that Bennett wants to leave Seattle. He wants to pay off the remainder of the lease, which, again, expires September 30th, 2010. He wants to move the Sonics to Oklahoma City. The city of Seattle is saying, wait a minute here. You can't just pay off the lease You've got to play your games here until 2010 as well. And remember, Nathan, it's not just about rent. It's about parking. It's about concessions. It's about the businesses around Key Arena. There's a lot more here economically than just the rent. Well, sure, but it's also, economically speaking, it also has to do with the season ticket holders and the sponsors. If the team is a lame duck team is going to leave at the end of this season or is going to leave in three years, how willing are sponsors going to be to jump on board? Season ticket holders, you know, we've talked for a while. We're here in Portland. Greg Oden in Portland, huge, huge deal about Greg Oden coming. Haven't heard so much about Durant being in Seattle. So a lot of different uh, arms on this thing. This is going to be interesting to watch, but I think uh, the ugliness is just beginning. Our next headline, the Major League Baseball playoffs start this week, and they're going to look very different than they have in years past. Baseball has a new $3 billion seven-year deal with TBS and Fox for exclusive postseason action. TBS now has the cable rights to carry playoff games instead of ESPN, which has carried playoffs for the last dozen or so years. Some interesting uh, playoff pairings. And then I like the studio show. Ernie Johnson, who does the studio show for TNT uh, NBA with uh, Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith, he's going to be joined by Cal Ripken Jr. and Frank Thomas. I like that grouping, and there's going to be some uh, some good action. No, I really like that grouping. I'll, I'll be interested to see how Frank Thomas does on the air. But you know, on the actual baseball side of it, do the Cubs or the Brewers? Do they really? Who wants to win the Central right now? Well, I don't know, but they're like stumbling to the finish line. A few other notes on this: This is going to be the first time a regular broadcast network won't be involved in first round coverage. TBS has all National and American League Division Series games. Also, for the first time, a cable network will cover all contests of the National League Championship Series with Fox covering the American League Championship Series and the World Series. 
Now, this is going to be interesting to see how fans respond to this, Nathan, because TBS is carried in about 90 million homes, while ESPN is covered in 113 million. So a lot less people get TBS than ESPN. So will people gripe and say, I can't see the baseball playoffs, and I'm not happy about well, that? Well, I would gripe, especially as exciting as this uh, race to the postseason has been in the teams that you have. And you've got the Yankees, you've got the Red Sox, I mean, two of the marquee teams in the playoffs. And if you can't watch those games, I'm frustrated. Well, our good friend Michael Vick, we've been talking about him all summer long he finds himself in even more hot water this week. For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. Crosslights. Well, just when you think things can't get any worse for number seven of the Atlanta Falcons, the hits just keep on rolling. A urine sample submitted by Vic has tested positive for marijuana, and as a result, he's going to have tighter restrictions on his freedom. The test was taken on September 13th. Vic must now submit to any method of testing at any time. Methods of testing could include urine testing, the wearing of a sweat patch, a remote alcohol testing system, and or any form of prohibited substance screening or testing. Vic must also participate in a program of inpatient or outpatient substance therapy. And he's on house arrest every day between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., so, again, you know, some people say, well, gosh, uh, he's getting ready to go to the slammer anyways. If you wanted to take a few puffs and relax and get ready to go to prison, it's not that big of a deal. But when you are going to prison, they tell you, we may drug test you. They drug tested him, and just a few weeks ago, he failed the drug test. Well, you know what? Let me just play the devil's advocate for just a second. If Michael Vick had been smoking a lot of marijuana over the course of how, how knows you know who knows how long, it could still be in his system long before he gave that speech, the heartfelt speech. He might not have done anything after that. So just, I'm not defending him, but I'm saying there is that possibility. Well, Vick pleaded guilty in August to a federal dogfighting charge. He's set to be sentenced on December 10th. On this past Tuesday, he was indicted by a grand jury in Surrey County, Virginia, on state dogfighting charges. So now he's not only got federal charges against him, he's got state charges, and now he's got drug charges. This guy's in a lot of trouble. Coming up next, John Wartime, senior writer from Sports Illustrated. He's got a great new book out. We'll talk about that. Coming up next, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Listen. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000. The year before you bought the Mavericks, they were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is John Wartime. He's the senior writer for Sports Illustrated. He's the author of a new book, Running the Table, The Legend of Kid Delicious, 
the last American pool hustler. John, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Good to be here. So there's several topics I want to cover with you today, but let's start off by talking about your new book. You know, it's the incredible tale of a 300-pound bipolar Jewish kid who sounds like he's a mess when he's not playing pool, but he's a savant when he is playing pool. Tell me about this story and, and how the idea to write this book came about. Uh, well, the book actually grew out of an SI story. I was reading the uh, it was the Wall Street Journal a few years ago, and they were talking about a, some pool tournament at uh, Grand Central Station, and they just referenced in passing, you know, hey, there was this overweight pool hustler who said he made two hundred thousand dollars hustling last year. He lost in the semifinals, and then you know, in the final, Brian Berger beat uh, you know Rasheed Wallace, and they sort of <laughs> went on to the. They sort of went on to the tournament. I said, you know, I don't care who won this pool tournament. I want to know more about the uh, the 350-pound kid who made 200 grand last year hustling. So I, I try. Luckily, this guy's last name is Basovich, so it was easy to get him in the phone book or on, you know, on switchboard and uh, tracked him down. And he was just great. And it was a whole different world. And it was he's a great personality. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. But also, it was just a whole different culture than I'm used to. And I had fun writing the SI story, and then I figured I had enough material left over. I may as well sort of spin it into a book. Yeah, I mean, you're used to covering tennis and the NBA and kind of the the guys who are used to living the lifestyles of the rich and famous, and lo and behold, you're following this guy who, you know, pool hustling isn't a glamorous sport by any means. Uh, No, and you're right. Uh, You know, these these are guys who drive, you know, hours out of the way to avoid – paying a bridge toll, um, a, a little different than, uh, you know, your, your average NBA, uh, even the minimum salary in the NBA. But no, that was part of the appeal. I mean, the finances of this whole world are just fascinating, but it was also nice to sort of deal with athletes who, uh, you know, you, you weren't going through agents and handlers when you dealt with these guys, that's for sure. So pool hustling, it's an interesting lifestyle. You know, like you said, it's a subculture. How do people go about hustling people? Because, you know, again, they've, you've got to almost like sandbag it so they don't think you're that good, and then you hustle them and you take their money and you're on to the next town so people don't discover who you are. Yeah, I mean, the Internet's killing these guys, which is which is part of the story. The technology's really beating up the pool. You know, you used to go for years and uh, no one would know who you were. Now you beat someone... Uh, you know, you, you beat someone at 3 in the morning, and by the time the sun comes up, it's on some message board. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, sandbagging is part of it. And this guy, Kid Delicious, was great. Um, yeah, I said was. He's, he's only 29 years old. Um, but, uh, no, he you know, he's, he's this disarming guy who's, you know, probably weighs north of 300 pounds. So uh, he didn't look like your average pool. You know, everyone sort of said, no way can the, can the fat guy beat me, and he'd, he'd walk off with big money. But, you know, what, what's happened now is a lot of times now it's just, basically two guys gambling that you know how good the other guy is and he knows how good you are and you just find a backer and put ten thousand dollars on a couple games and go um it's harder and harder to sort of lay lay in the weeds if you're a good pool hustler how much can you make a year well no one's ever lost a game of pool um no i mean it was it's sort of hard to come by honest answers because no one actually uh tells you about the losses right but, but um, you know, it, it costs. They say basically you got to win. Uh, you know, they, they say you basically have to win three out of four just to sort of make your nut, just to sort of pay for gas and motels and that kind of thing. But uh, you know, you know, I mean, Danny Kid, Kid Delicious, he had some nights where he, you know, he could, he could make twenty five grand in, in a night under the right circumstances. Um, you know, when he says he was making six figures hustling in a year, I I, I find that pretty believable. And I mean, these guys are on the road all year long. This is what they do, right? 
Oh yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's the most depressing thing you could ever uh, you could ever imagine. Um, you know, you're spending Thanksgiving at Denny's because there's a guy playing at the local pool hall who uh, you're, you're trying to set up. But uh, no, I mean, it's the the stories just never end in this world. So I see where the film rights to your book were optioned by Lionsgate. It looks like it might be turned into a movie. Uh, how's that coming along? Um, well, that's. That's the hope. Uh, I mean, that, that would be great. And, you know, I think this thing sure lends itself to that. Um, you know, when, when you get a book contract, I was just telling this to someone else, when, when you get a book contract, you can be pretty sure eventually there's going to be, a, you know, a book with your name on the spine. When you, when you get a movie contract, there's, there's no guarantee like that. So um, this has been an education, not just in the, the pool world, but in, uh, in Hollywood, too. But we're, fingers are crossed. So here's the question. If you get to cast... Kid Delicious, who would you have play him? Oh man. Do you watch you watch uh uh what's what's now flipping out on the name? Uh Thirty Rock? Are you watch Sometimes I, I'm not an avid uh, viewer, but I sometimes watch it. You know that Judah Friedland? I mean, you know, I mean uh this this kid isn't gonna get played by a move by An A list actor. Or, right. Yeah. Um you know, everybody said Chris Farley was sort of an obvious and it's sort of the same um, you know, goofy plus-size personality. There's this guy, Judah Friedlander, though, um, who, uh, this guy, Dan Fogler, someone else that they've apparently uh, been thinking about. So, Well, I was going to say, you better think about that question, because they might ask you for uh, some consultation. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think we're going anywhere. I don't think Russell Crowe is uh, the 350-pound <laughs> pool hustler. He'd have to put on a lot of weight. My guest is John Wartime. He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated. He's the author of the new book, Running the Table, The Legend of Kid Delicious, The Last American Pool Hustler. All right, John, I want to talk to you about some other things besides the book. I know you've been on top of this, you know, performance-enhancing drug stories. You've been deep into covering this. We saw this week big, big raid, lots of uh, mom-and-pop suppliers busted. Uh, give me the latest on where we are with this story. Well, you know, it was funny. This raid, this DEA raid that they announced on Monday was just huge in terms of the scope of it. But it was a little, I mean, to me it was interesting that, you know, big-time raid, but there weren't any pro athletes named. So, you know, we're, we're talking about guys basically getting supplies from China and having the ability to make this stuff in their basement, and the numbers were just phenomenal. The arrests were phenomenal, but they didn't mention that, you know, Baltimore Orioles left fielder, so the story kind of died. Um, you know, I, I think between this and the raids we saw in Florida and the sort of drumbeat of news, I mean, I think people are finally catching on to just how big a problem this is, not just steroids, but human growth hormone, too. But what happened last week, it seemed it was sort of a little bit like uh, – you know, the the Darfur crisis versus Paris Hilton, that you had this big DEA raid that was this huge global sort of dragnet, and no one really picked it up. But the minute, you know, some guy in the Toronto Blue Jays has his name on a, on a bottle, that's, that becomes a hot story. So it's, it's interesting that sort of, it, it, to the sports fan, I think it's the names that are driving this. But to the agents, you know, this is a huge, huge deal. John, I'm interested to get your take on this. For a long time on this show, 
uh, we've said that the scientists are so far out in front of the cheaters. They're developing the next HGH or next drug. And, you know, obviously uh, the people who are trying to get the cheaters don't know what that drug is. It seems like what's happening now, though, is that the law enforcement officials, in this case the DEA, are trying to cut off the suppliers and the distributors. And they figure if they cripple those people, they might have a chance at, uh, you know, not ending the problem, but at least taking a, a leg away. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what's happened. I mean, with all these guys, there haven't been any positive tests. I mean, Rodney Harrison of the Patriots and, you know, Troy Gloss and Rick Ankiel. I mean, these guys are not testing positive for drugs. They're just getting clipped, and their their names have come up because they've been sort of caught in this in this network. They've, names have been coming through the pipeline. And I, th- I think you're right. I mean, I think, um, you know, we saw this with Falco, too, that the – the, the, the cheating is pretty far ahead of the testing right now, not just the science, but also sort of legally. I mean, you know, baseball, look at the problems they have with the union just getting to administer these tests. And what they've been doing now is going after these supply routes and finding these distribution lists. And, um, you know, whether, obviously, from the league's perspective, they would rather have a positive test than just simply some guy's name on a mailing list. But um, this, this latest, I mean, I, I think you're right that it's uh, – I think they're getting smart and that they're realizing that one way to catch these guys is to to go through the distribution channels. Last question on this topic. Uh, George Mitchell, obviously, he was hired by Major League Baseball to lead an independent investigation. He's been working on this thing forever. Um, you know, he's interviewed Jason Giambi. He has talked to Kirk Radomski, the Mets clubhouse attendant that seems to have some name. You know, I, between Jason Grimsley... And Kirk Radomski, do you think we're going to see any bite to this report that George Mitchell submits in the not too distant future? Well, that's I mean that's sort of the sixty four million. I mean that's that's what everybody's sort of waiting to hear. That uh, it's been a lot of talk. We keep hearing about so and so being forced to meet with George Mitchell, but um, what he does with this information is going to be interesting. And also, does Jason Grimsley giving you a couple of names of guys who he suspects use HGH, um, I mean, what sort of powers are we going to give Mitchell and Major League Baseball, even if they have some information? Uh, this is this has really been interesting, because so, so far, I think, at least from a public relations standpoint, this has been a disaster. Um, you bring the guy in, he doesn't have subpoena power, and so far, it's not as though... You know, anyone's been sanctioned because of uh, George Mitchell getting their story. Um, it's, it's sort of put up or shut up time. And I, I think the Kurt Radomski stuff is interesting because here's a guy who's played. I mean, this is, you know, there's a guilty plea here. This isn't just conjecture. Uh, when a guy who's pled guilty is, is feeding you names, um, you know, I, I think that's that's pretty meaningful. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what baseball finally announces because I think everybody feels like, uh, they're, they're they're due to do something. Yeah, won't well, it be interesting if a clubhouse attendant ends up being the biggest whistleblower on uh, baseball players? John, we've got a few minutes left. Let's talk some tennis. Roger Federer, your guy again. You know, three out of four Grand Slams this year. He's two away from Sampras's all-time record. Are we ready to anoint Roger Federer the greatest tennis player of all time? I I am. I'm I'm done. He's uh. You know, you sort of were tried to be prudent. You tried to respect Sampras, and you tried to hold out and sort of say, "Well, he's on the way there, but he's not there yet." But I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, you know, I'm pretty much ready to give him that crown right now. It's just a joke what he's done these last four or five years, and um, you know, the one knock against the guy is that he's never won the French Open, but. You know, Sampras used to go to Paris and play the French Open. He'd be lucky to win a few rounds. This guy's 
you know, this guy's reached the finals two years in a row. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, uh, we're, we're pretty much done with that discussion. Yeah, I mean, he's won, or he's appeared in 10 straight Grand Slam finals, and I think he's the only guy to win uh, three Grand Slams three or more times, which is just ridiculous. So the Williams sisters, they kind of rebounded this year. We saw Serena win the Australian, Venus won Wimbledon. Do you think the Williams sisters, after having some injuries, do you think they're back on track for the long term, or was that a flash in the pan this year? Yeah, I, I think this is just going to. Ha- this is how it's going to be the rest of their careers. That they sort of fly in, and when the stars align, and they feel like playing, and their bodies are healthy, they can beat anyone. And then, you know, I mean, Serena didn't do a whole lot after winning the Australian Open, and Venus's results outside of Wimbledon haven't been particularly remarkable. I think, um, you know, I mean, it's sort of an interesting prototype in sports, but they're just kind of the part-time players, and when they feel like going strong, they're great, and then they'll drift away for six months. But I, I don't think they're going to be like Federer. I mean, I just don't think they have it in them physically or, or just sort of emotionally as personalities to sort of commit themselves and win three Grand Slams. I think it's just going to be, a, well, you know, if, if they're hot, they can beat anyone, and if they're not, they can lose to anyone. Well, John, that's all the time we have. Tell people how they can get your new book and when it's coming out. Uh, I think officially it's out, and uh, I think you can get this called running the table and i think you can get it on certainly on amazon but hopefully at your uh your neighborhood bookstore all right it's a great read i encourage everyone to go out and uh, pick up a copy john thanks for making time always great to catch up with you anytime thanks you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back hi this is brian berger host of sports business radio When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. Really confused about the business side of sports? This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and Greg Oden, the number one pick in the NBA draft this past June, uh, unless you've been under a rock, you know that uh, he's going to miss his rookie season. He recently had microfracture surgery. But we're here in Portland, Oregon. That's where we're based. So this is really big news here. And uh, myself and our executive producer, Bobby Corser, we were on hand for Odin's press conference this week, and we had a chance to capture a few sound bites from Mr. Odin talking about his surgery and his rehab and just his thoughts on uh, his future. Um, first, we wanted to play for you kind of his opening statement. He's gotten so much support from the people of Portland, lots of uh, support from around the league. Here was what he had to say. I just want to thank everybody, the city of Portland, and everybody for coming out here. Um, 
you know, it is a setback, but I am excited to be able to scout the NBA for a whole year and just know that next year when I come in, I'm going to be 20 years old and I'm going to be very mature and I'm going to be ready to play. And so I'm excited about all that and just everybody's behind me letting me know that it's going to be okay. I've got calls from other NBA players. I mean, I can talk to Darius every day and just know what it's going to be like. So I'm just very thankful I got those resources to be able to talk to. One of the things we've talked about with Greg Oden during his uh, pre-draft workouts and his interviews, you know, this is a guy that has much more of a personality than a lot of us had thought. We didn't really see his personality at Ohio State. He's worked with media trainers. He'd worked with other people. And he's really got a, a refreshing personality. You look at him and you go, you know, he looks old, but he really is only a 19-year-old kid. And he had a very funny quote during the press conference kind of poking fun at uh, his age and his looks. I'll just say I haven't had too many injuries my whole entire life. I had two two years in a row. I'm 19 years old, going on 52, but I really am 19 years old, and I have young bones. and So I can recover from this. I know I can, and everybody who's 19 can get injury and recover from it. I still have a hopefully a long time to live, and... I mean, I think everybody dies around 70, so I got about 20 years. That's still 20 years. This is going to be a really interesting case study because, really, this is one of the first times uh, that we've seen such a highly touted player, a guy picked number one in a league draft, miss his rookie season. And like Greg Oden said earlier uh, in his sound bites. You know, he's going to have a chance to really observe the NBA, to learn the league. He's going to go on the road with his teammates, and he's going to learn a lot about the business side of the league while he's observing. Um, You know, the other thing is we're going to see his personality a lot more. He's going to do some TV broadcasts for the Blazers. He's going to be blogging even more than he has been so far at YardBarker.com. He's got a very funny blog. He talked about Charles Barkley McLovin, his dog that he just got that he's trying to potty train. So, you know, Greg Oden has an interesting personality. I think he's going to be just fine. I don't think the Blazers were going to win a championship this year anyways. But, you know, it's a setback for the team. It's a setback for the league because this is a guy they wanted to position as one of their marquee guys. After this press conference, I had a chance to catch up with Mike Conley Sr., who's the agent for Greg Oden, has known him since he was 11 years old, and he's also the father of Mike Conley Jr., who he also represents, a guy who plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Mike Conley Sr. He's the agent for Portland Trailblazers center Greg Oden and for Memphis Grizzlies guard Mike Conley Jr. Mike, tell us how you and Greg Oden first met. I know you've known each other for a long time. Yeah, I first met Greg when he was 11 and a half. You know, and I moved to Indianapolis, and I uh, started an AAU program there, and um, I was introduced to Greg and his mom, and and he, you know, it's, the relationship started at that point, and and it grew to, you know, sort of being a father figure in his life. Yeah. And obviously, your son and Greg have played basketball for a long time, and you coached them during since, summer league. Yeah, since that period. Yeah, since they were, you know, 12 years old, I've, they've been playing together and been coaching both of them, and. And all up until they they sort of part their their ways, you know, going entering the NBA. But um, it's it's um, it's it's a it's a storybook, you know. As a coach, I'm talking about as far as on my end of it, 
um, to be able to be involved in you know in, in two young men's lives at, at that young age and and um, you know the going to college part was I, I thought was the, the icing on the cake you know the NBA was we weren't even thinking about that when we started this thing and for it to end where you know at the NBA level it's just been a been a dream. At what point did you decide you know what I want to be on the long road with Greg Oden and and I want to become an agent I want to have a, a hand in his professional career. Yeah, it's two different phases. The first phase is I, I had thought about being an agent long before any of this. You know, back when they were nine and ten years old, uh, I had dabbled a little bit in track and field, um, represented myself a lot. And um, and my wife had told me, yeah, Mike, when you retire from a professional athlete, you should think about being an agent. And at the time, we weren't thinking about basketball. We were thinking about, obviously, track and field and and other sports. And so that idea has always been there, Um, coaching the guys up. um, I was working at, you know, for the Federation. But then his mom, Greg's mom, said something to me once, and and I had told her that, you know, know, Ms. Oden, we're going to have to, you know, go out and and find you, you know, your agents, your financial advisors, your accountants, your lawyers, and put this team together around Greg. You know, I'll help you do that. And and she looked me dead, smack in the eye, and said, Mike, you mean you're not going to be his agent? And and at that point was really the first time I thought about being an agent um, for Greg Oden. And um, and it sort of materialized from there. And from that point, I started doing my, my homework in history and, and all that stuff as it relates to being an NBA agent and, uh, and started and sort of um, um, made the commitment to go down that path. So you made the commitment to go down that path, but you are a partner with BDA Sports. And um, I assume, but I want to hear your answer on this, that maybe they've got some things, some marketing and endorsement uh, capabilities that you don't quite have yet. Tell me about that partnership. No, no, for sure. I mean, one of the things I promised um, Greg's mom and Mike's mom, for that matter, and and all the kids that I represent is that I'm always going to put them in what's best for them, not necessarily myself. It it, it was, you know, representing Greg Oden is is easy in some some respects, you know, um, being the number one pick and all. But I wanted to put Greg in a situation where where he's with the in my eyes the best of, has the best of the best, and so I took my company and partnered with BDA and um, and they do a fantastic job with marketing their their athletes and they care about their their athletes and so you know um, um, joining forces with them was was a was a was a I think a, a great fit for for my clients. You know, they get the best of both worlds. They get me as their agent. They get the, the day-to-day, you know, um, um, commitment from me that I have for them beyond uh, an agent. And they get to work with um, some experience that, I, quite frankly, I don't have uh, in some respects of the business that I'll, I'll gain as time goes on. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm a big enough man to realize that going into it. And, uh, I, don't need, and I don't need all the money. That's big credit to you because not everyone realizes their shortcomings. My guest is Mike Conley Sr. Mike, you're an elite athlete. You're a gold medalist. You're an Olympian. What kind of uh, experience do you have that allows you to mentor Greg Oden, Mike Conley Jr., some of your other clients? Because you are an elite athlete. You've been in their shoes. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and I used to tell the guys this a lot. Uh, basketball was always my first, my first sport growing up. I uh, grew up in Chicago. And but and I know a little bit about the game of basketball, but I know a whole lot about winning and losing, and what it takes to be a winner, and what it, you know, and uh, how to overcome um, your, your, your losses, and those are the kind of things I've been able to instill in them from from day one, and it and it crosses over to life and the business and everything else, and um, and I had those guys that 
11, 12 years old doing some of the mental and physical preparations that I did as an Olympic gold medalist. And uh, that's all they've ever known growing up. And, I, and, and, and it's just helped them to, to get to this point. So, you know, um, it's, it's and, and all that's sort of been a joy for me to, to, to give to them um, the, the, all the knowledge that I've had as a professional athlete, you know, preparing for three Olympics and, and all my um, uh, business endeavors and stuff, I've been able to instill that in them. And, um, you know, it's going to obviously they'll be able to take that and take that to another level um, and, and on the platform that they're on now. What do you tell Greg Oden when he gets the bad news that he's got this uh, microfracture surgery and he's out for the year? And it's going to be a long uphill battle. I have no doubt that he's going to get back to 100%. But in the meantime, it's going to be a lot of hard work. It is. But, you know, Greg is, 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 is perfect for this. Uh, I mean, he, he's, uh, I mean he's, he's a matter-of-fact kind of guy, you know. And, and he can, you know, Greg, uh, you know, he'll just come to you and, and give you the bad news and say, hey, we, you know, this is what we got to deal with. And, you know, what do I do tomorrow? You know, and he's, he, he, but one thing I think has helped him a whole lot is, you know, he felt real bad that, you know, this community was so, you know, excited about this and, and, and he felt, he, you know, he may have let them down. And for, for him to get the support he's gotten from the community and from the press here in, in Portland, you know, he walks out the door and instead of seeing, you know, all these angry faces looking at Greg, you know, he sees all these, you know, concern you know, faces that are, you know, you know, that are concerned about him you know, coming back. And I think that's helped him um, lift his spirits up so that you can see, you know, the Greg out here doing his press conference today. Because trust me, if, if it would have been the other way, reversed, it would have been a different person up there talking today. So what's your role during this rehab? I know he respects your opinion. He's going to listen to you. How often will you check in with him and what will you tell him during this rehab? Yeah, I'm, I'm going through that now. Um, I, I wanted to get a real uh, one of the other reasons I came up here. Is I wanted to get a real good sense because uh, we really hadn't talked rehab until you know until until now, and I wanted to get a real good sense of the do's and don'ts and and all that kind of stuff with Greg and and just be another person in his ear, you know, telling him the importance of it. And he said it today in the press conference that he got um, some of the advice he has from some of the you know from the Jason kids and. Uh, of the world was that hey just do what the doctors tell you to do and that's so so important and i want to know what that is so i can be another you know voice in his ear so before i let you go uh, i want to talk to you about the uh, 2016 olympic effort in chicago you've been a big part of that i think it'd be fantastic chicago is such a wonderful city and you know it's been since 1996 since uh, the united states has hosted the olympics it will be 20 years by the year 2016 um tell me about your role with that and what you think the chances are of chicago winning that bid yeah for sure i was i was approached to 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 come on board and and, and help chicago in its efforts it, it wasn't uh, it was an easy sale um currently i'm i'm the president of uh, of an organization called world sport chicago which mission is to 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 bring amateur or, or excuse me Olympic events into the city of Chicago, um, including the Olympics and including leading up to the games. And even if we don't get the bid, still stay on board doing doing that activity. And um, uh, and and I was also part of the the um, uh, one of the speakers that 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 actually you know, presented to the USOC when we won our bid, and and I and I'll and I'll, and I'll stay on to maintain and help with international relations and and th- and those kind of things. And I think we got a great shot at it. I mean, I think the the plan is good, the the city's good, the, it's, it's primed to be in North America again, or, or or in our hemisphere and and in the United States. And um, um, but there's some good competition out there too. But um, 
but the, the more importantly, even even though it may be prime to be back in the United States, what's what what helps that even more is that it's the the Midwest is hungry for it. You know, being out in L.A. again would be just kind of just another great event coming to the city. But in Chicago and in the cities that are around 60 million people in that in that in that you know within a you know seven or eight hour drive. And those 60 million people are ecstatic. I mean, something like this is once in a lifetime, you know, situation for them, and and, uh, and the community support that we've gotten behind this is overwhelming. When do you find out? Um, the fall of '09. Right, we'll keep our fingers crossed, Mike. Uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for custom fit fine clothing and personal service to match, I call my friend Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Tom James's highly trained sales professionals like Brian Tacker come directly to your home or office, saving you valuable time. Brian plans and coordinates my wardrobe so I am perfectly attired for any situation, whether it's a TV interview, a press conference, or a fundraiser. The Tom James Company offers over 500 suit fabrics and 250 shirt fabrics, and they carry all the accessories you'll need, from belts and ties to shoes and socks. The Tom James Company has been in business for over 40 years, and 80% of their business is generated from repeat customers. Call Brian Tacker today at 503-807-7956 or find his information at sportsbusinessradio.com. Brian Tacker and the Tom James Company, the official fine clothing partner of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, Business Week announced their inaugural 100 Most Powerful People in Sports list this week. On the list, I'm going to give you the top five. At five, Bud Selig, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Number four, George Bodenheimer, who's the president of ESPN ABC Sports. Number three, David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA. Number two, Tiger Woods. And number one, the most powerful man in sports, according to this list, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL. We'll put that on our blog at sportsbusinessradio.com if you want to check out the entire list. Lots of thank yous this week. Mike Conley Sr., John Wartime from Sports Illustrated, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and ProTrade.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand anytime you want. Just go to SportsBusinessRadio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great rest of your weekend, a fantastic week ahead. We'll see you next weekend. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com. <laughs>